Welcome to Account Trends, everybody. I'm Jason Stein with Intuit Accountants. My co-host, David Bergstein, and I are excited to be with you every couple of weeks to share the latest news, interesting perspectives, and hottest trends in the tax and accounting world. We'll have special guests on the show to help break these trends down and give you food for thought as you find new ways to deliver for your clients. But most importantly, we plan on having some fun while doing it. Welcome. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to part two with Joe Woodard and Mr. David Bergstein and myself. Uh, We're going to just keep the conversation right on rolling. And Joe, you know, one of the things that I was really excited about when we were talking about in the last uh, episode was around the psychology, right? And uh, one of, you know, one of the things that you talked to me in different conversations that we've had together is you brought brought this concept of the terror wall and the failure trench. And I thought that's really powerful. Could you share that with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. I would be happy to. And I just want to make sure I give credit where it's due. I picked this up from the John Maxwell organization. I'm part of the John Maxwell team. So that's where they introduced it to me. But um, the the concept, and, and, and it, it's an extension or drill down from what we talked about in the last episode of the identity crisis. Um, so we're going deeper into what creates that identity crisis beyond just the professional. We talked in the last episode about the professional identity. Now, this is the systemic problem within all of human psychology, and it's called the terror wall. It could be about anything in your personal life or anything in your professional life. And the idea is that life teaches us lessons that sometimes are untrue. Um, and life is a great teacher in that it's an effective, it's an effective teacher but it's not always a great teacher and it's not always an accurate teacher. And so what happens throughout all of life is we develop a belief system. Now I'm not talking about a religious established belief system or a spiritual established belief system uh, or even a political established belief system, like, um, you know, like a utopian concept. Those are put through the pressure of generations of the human experience And they, if you pick the typical ones that have survived that pressure process, have a healthy impact on you. What I'm talking about is your individual belief system, which is manufactured in your mind out of your own life experiences. And it is often a liar. So the belief system that we inherit from the schoolmaster of life, that very effective teacher, is a mixture of truth and lie. And there's no way to unravel the yarn. It's no way to just go into your entire past through psychoanalysis and dissect the truth for the lie, the truth of lie. Therapists do do that, but they do it at more of a survival level in order to get you past some big psychological hurdle, usually a chronic depression or suicidal tendencies or something like that. And what I'm talking about is a normally healthy mind that's constrained by lie. And going in and trying to unravel that won't make it work. What you have to do is listen to someone who sees in you a potential, a reality, a truth that you can't see in yourself. Now, my own uh, professional example of this is the person who heads up our coaching program. Her name is Patricia Hendricks. 
Now, Woodard Institute has emerged as one of, and I'm saying this to her credit, not my own, one of the premier coaching arms of United States accountants in, in, in the country. It's one of the most highly respected, one of the most effective. And it didn't exist seven years ago. But I knew Patricia. I knew she was a, she had her own practice. She built it from the ground up. It was multi-practitioner. It was automated when automated wasn't cool. It was cloud before cloud was cool. And I knew she knew exactly how to build the ideal practice. And I was able to convince her because I saw a passion in her to share that knowledge with other people. But what she could not see in herself was that she could actually coach CPAs or people with bigger practices than hers or who had a higher brand than hers. She she had this terror wall that said that comes with the imposter syndrome that came with a whole slate of lies that life had taught her that, that I can't do that. But I knew her well enough that I saw a, a, an ability in her she couldn't see in herself. I was then in the in this paradigm, I was her mentor at that moment. Doesn't make me better than or less than, it just means that it's a situational thing. I mentored the truth into her situation. And I threw her into the deep water and watched, and, you know, not to let her drown, knowing that she'd be fine. It was absolutely terrifying for her. That's why it's called the terror wall. Um, and the only way she could have ever done it is she kept looking at me going, I think you're nuts. She actually said this, I think you're nuts. I think you're going to fail. I think you've assigned the wrong person. You need to get me out of here because I'm going to ruin your entire vision. I heard it all. And she's given me permission to share this story. She shared it herself. But I saw something she couldn't see in herself. Mm -hmm. And now she has built I don't even I don't even design the courses. I don't even run the thing. She gives me a, a weekly update. She has built and she maintains and she designs and she expands one of the best coaching programs in the entire world. Now, th th this is an element of the terror wall when it comes to that and identity. She does not have an MBA. She is not a CPA. And she and, and in her professional college education, there's nothing there that speaks to her ability to do this. So it's not credentialed. It's just 100% what this person is capable of doing that I can see that they can't see. And the trust they have to place in that person to step out on complete faith that they can see that thing, not faith in the universe or some ethereal concept, faith that that person can see something in you that you can't see in yourself. But of course, there's a if, if they were just that easy, then everybody would be the author they want to be. Everybody would be the tax advisor they want to be. You know, everybody would would have accomplished these great things in life that they want to accomplish. And um, there's a there's a there's a gotcha on the other end of the terrible. If you can get somebody through the terror wall, which means believing you over what they believe about themselves and their belief system, then they immediately enter what Maxwell calls the failure trench. Because it is in the failure trench where you learn what works and what doesn't, just like the scientific method. And a scientist will tell you that failure is a positive step toward a solution to a problem. As a matter of fact, scientists would tell you it might take a thousand failures in order to get to the answer. They embrace failure. Scientists love failure. 
and nobody else in the world seems to. So if the, if you understand that on the other side of the terror wall comes the natural process of learning through failure, experimenting with what needs to happen, learning from what doesn't work so you can get to what does, and, and you you resist, you have to keep coming back to the mentor. Because remember when I said Patricia kept screaming, I'm messing things up, I'm going to mess up your vision, I'm... You know, she was in the failure trend. So she kept looking at me going, see, I told you, that's basically in so many words, see, my circumstances are telling you what I always knew to be true. I'm not the person for you. See, look at all the failure here in the incremental steps. Now, the customers never saw it, but look at all the failures here in the incremental steps. And I kept saying to her, no, we're good. No, we're good. No, we're good. And she kept needing to hear me say that. And it was only after she emerged out of the failure trench did she see the truth. And that didn't make me wiser than her. That made me smarter than her. Here's the key. It made me other than her. Right. That's all I needed to be able to see the truth. She couldn't see it because she was in her, own, in her own mind, in her own paradigm. Um, so part of identity is finding, finding somebody that can see that in you. I, I am just... Hanging on to every word of the story, I, I can, I can personally relate to it so much. On the part of Patricia was her name, right? Mm-hmm. I, I can relate to her. Um, my, I'm, I'm here doing this podcast, and I'm, I'm, you know, doing talks out in the profession. I'm at all these places we were talking about before we started recording of all the different shows that I need to be at, and all the the presentations that I, you know, I, I'm signed up to do, and it all started with an email. I saw an email from our, you know, GM at the time. Um, her name was Cece, and she she sent a statistic around about. I don't even remember exactly what it was about regarding the profession, uh, about like what projections were looking like in the next three to four years. And I sent it out to my extended team, and I said, "Hey, this is something we need to talk more about in our profession." And my comms person at the time reached out to me, and she goes, "Guess what? You just did. You just made the mistake of demonstrating thought leadership." And I'm like, "What's that?" And so the next thing I know, I'm on the phone with our, you know, PR agency. We're doing story mining. We're starting to write bylines together. It evolves and evolves. And I'm, I'm just, I'm getting pulled into this so quickly. And I've been around a long time, but I'm not a CPA. I'm not an EA. I be, I be, in all vulnerable honesty, I barely got through high school. <laughs> but here I am leading training and education in the for the tax and accounting profession on behalf of Intuit, one of the largest players in the profession, uh, without these credentials, because people saw something in me. They believed in me and they pushed me. And I came back and I, oh, I don't think I'm the right thing for this. I, I, are you sure this is and even doing the podcast? I was like, guys, I don't really listen to podcasts. I don't really feel like this is my thing. And they're like, Jason, just go listen to some. It's not that hard. You can figure it. We'll figure it out. You'll make mistakes and you will fail along the way. Your failure trench example. But we'll get there. And Lord knows I have failed many, many, many times. Uh, but I'm fortunate that, you know, I've also had it ingrained in me from Intuit's perspective, because we're very, very much, you know, from a cultural perspective, we celebrate failure a lot too. But but even in a business setting, you're still afraid to fail. And it sucks to fail. It, it, it hurts going through it. But it, then it's, it's a negative experience with a momentary, it's a positive experience with a momentary wake of negative emotion. You can apply you that go. to so many things like we talked about in episode one. And can I also just kind of say something edifying to you? You know, you and I go back, what, some 20 years. I think that, mm-hmm. uh, I think I might've gone on tour with you in your first year that you were with Intuit. And, um, and so whenever I found out you were taking this role, it didn't surprise me at all. 
it was very clear to me that you were capable of doing it. But again, I had the objectivity of being other than you. Right. Um, so if you had called me, I would have encouraged you in that time that you got there without <laughs> me, which is perfectly fine. Now, I want to make sure that I think I think the audience, I, I know what we're all saying here, what we're not saying. I want to make sure the audience knows what we're not saying. We are not saying CPA isn't important. We're not saying EA isn't important. And we're not saying that an accounting degree isn't important. Of course, we're not. What we're saying is don't make the absence of those things a constraint on reaching your full potential, right? I'm not a CPA. I always regret not becoming one because even though I've reached a lot of my potential, I know I could have reached even higher had I had it. The key is not that I couldn't be higher in my potential with it. Of course I could. Question is, did I need to have it in order to have any impact at all, have any influence at all, to be able to be a practice coach at all? That's the lie that it would have told me. That's part of the paradigm. And I was going to listen to that lie. Um, and neither should anybody listening in here. If you're not an enrolled agent or not a CPA, you just have a PITN, you know, annual filer program, and you think that none of this applies to you, think again. Mm -hmm. And if you do have a CPA or an EA, it applies to you as well. Absolutely. Different context. Because that because the paradigm said, can cut the opposite way there, right? right? Where we're so ingrained in traditional CPA and traditional EA that we don't think we can embrace these other these other models. So the reality is whatever your letters are after your name and whatever your formal education is, if you're willing to tackle the knowledge barrier and you're willing to get a mentor who'll help you through the terror wall and the failure trench, you can have a pause, a more proactive impact on your clients. You absolutely can. As speaking the, of that, David, uh, as, as I always introduce you as Mr. Alphabet Soup, <laughs> <laughs> How is your take on this? What, what? I agree 100% as the CPA in the group. It doesn't make me the smartest one here. And as a matter of fact, I guess the profession is changing. It doesn't matter what letters you have. If you're a smart businessman, you create a professional services firm, which is what a lot of the CPA firms are becoming. The only thing a CPA can do that no one else can do is the attest function. And all these private equity firms are now investing in CPA firms splitting them in half, letting the audit side do its own thing. But in the meantime, they're growing in the client accounting space. They're glow growing in the advisory space. They're seeing the tax return opportunity as a way to get into wealth management. So there's a lot of opportunity. You don't need the letters. You need the skills, and the skills come from yourself. I agree with uh, Joe. I agree with you. I've been encouraging you for this podcast ever since you started. Yes, you, you have. Know, you, that you can do it. Now, the only other thing you really got to put your mind to is can you improve your guitar playing skills? And David, we got to keep it in the realm of reality, okay? I'm not going to with you, Jason. Thankfully, Joe's never heard me play. No, I never have, which is why that was a completely benign joke. But um, but I know that we've got to address one more elephant in the room here when we've been talking about these barriers to advisory. So, so yes, identity, yes, psychology, yes, overcoming the fear, and yes, being more intentional, more proactive, um, finding the right support systems, overcoming the knowledge gap. You know, these are the barriers. They're not insurmountable, and they don't take forever, but but there is another frontline gating factor here. Let's just say that you can get through this, and you're listening to this, and, and we pushed you over the edge. We were the positive straw that broke your camel's back. We're, you're ready to go, right? the elephant in the room 
I don't have the time to do all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can barely keep up with the workload I have now. And, um, and that's, that's pretty serious barrier. Um, I call it the chicken and egg problem. Um, if I did more knowledge work and I did more advisory, I could earn more money with less effort and I would have more capacity, but I need capacity to get the knowledge to do the knowledge work, chicken and egg. And I tell everybody that presents the chicken and egg problem to me, the same answer to the problem. And the answer is increase your prices, which is a strange thing to say, right? Let me connect the dots. If you increase your prices and you do it methodically, systematically in a way that's risk mitigated, then some double digit percentage of your clients, but a minority double digit will leave and they will go to where they can get it cheaper. And those people were probably never going to embrace your advisory anyway, because they're price sensitive. They're buying a commodity. They're not buying a relationship. When those 20% leave, that's typically how it falls out. Again, Pareto rules. Then the 80% who stay are paying probably 20% more. And you don't have to be a master mathematician to figure out that that math is pretty good. Then you get 20% of your capacity back. Resist the temptation to just fill it up at the new price point. Use it. To lean into this model. It, 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 and I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but it's also not that complex if you just pulled the trigger. Yeah. Great, great bow on the package of everything that we've been talking about here. And I love that you called that out and made sure that we didn't miss it because that is that is absolutely the the most common thing I hear is and it doesn't even show up in the in terms of like. Hey, I want to do this, but how can I? Sometimes it just comes up as I don't have time for that. My business is doing fine and I'm, I have more work than I do time anyway. So I don't even need to entertain this business model. I don't even need to go down this road. The reality is you're, you're in a hamster wheel, right? You, and you gonna- are. When people tell me they have more clients than they can handle, I ask them, are they the clients you want? Right. Yeah. And, um, and, 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 and meaning that, and then also, you know, are, are you earning what you want? If, if you have more clients than you can handle, um, where's the ceiling on your take home on that, on your bottom line, those two questions help push past that, but you're right. However they frame it. I don't have the time. I have too many clients already or whatever it is. They're really just, they're just pointing to not the core problem, but a layer of the problem that exists outside the core. The core problem is they need to be doing more advisory. Right. And that's what that's what the clients want and need. And, you know, that, that's been a trend that's been in play for 20 years since you and I were going on the road and talking about value pricing to people then. But it's it's now coming to a head and it's now becoming very apparent as the world has evolved and shifted. Um, and so as we look forward, I hope that our listeners can uh, take a take a bit of info and, and hopefully they found it helpful. Uh, and so that that brings us nicely to uh, closing out the episode. So again, Joe, where where should our listeners go to learn more from you, sir? Yeah, it's just woodard.com, my last name.com. All right, folks, check it out. Joe, thanks so much for being here and bestowing your vast experience and knowledge upon us all. It's always great to be here, Jason. Great to be here, David. Great seeing you. Great hearing from you. David, good to uh, have you on the show as always. And we look forward to next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. 
If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star review. If you want to learn more about any of the topics discussed on the show, visit intuitaccountants.com forward slash podcast. Account Trends is produced and edited by Luke Johnston. Copyright Intuit 2022.